everyone, and welcome to Employee, your podcast for rethinking employment. My name is Christina Walker-Meyer, and I'm your host for this podcast. Today, we have Katie Campbell here with us today. Katie is the head of brand and communications at APX, the accelerator of Axel Springer and Porsche here in Berlin. Welcome, Katie. Thanks, Christina. So Katie and I, uh, we met a few years ago when she still worked at Zalando. And uh, yeah, soon we were not only colleagues, but also have become friends quite quickly. And yeah, I would say since then, we somehow supported each other in the workplace. And already back then, uh, I would say mental health in the workplace was usually a topic for us. We had talked about it a lot. Today, I'm really super, super happy to see that Katie has brought the topic to the next level in her current job. And yeah, I'm really excited to learn about her new challenges and how they are tackling such a delicate, but of course, super, super important topic at APX. So Katie, are you ready? I am, was born ready. All right. So Katie, before we talk about mental health and your mission and your journey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Oh, wow. Such a deep question. Uh, who am I? I am a 30-year-old Scottish Persian girl, woman, I should probably say. I'm obsessed with sushi tattoos and I probably smoke too much so I guess that's kind of the roundabout version of who I am. Okay great great answer. Can you give us a quick introduction into your current job at APX? So what is APX? What's your current mission there? And especially what is your current personal goal there? Uh, APX is a joint venture from Axel Springer and Porsche. We're an early stage investor. We invest 50K for 5%. We're industry agnostic and we're super focused on teams. Um, we're investing at a pre-seed stage and they join the program. They go through a 100-day tailor-made program and then they get a 100-day free office space afterwards. Our goal is to find the best companies and to help them go from good to great. And my personal goal, APX, is to find the best content formats to target the best founders there are in the world. And I'm doing that with a super amazing team, both the communications team, but also the APX family team as well. Just for the people who do not know what an accelerator is, so basically you help people who want to found a startup to just make it happen and give the first support in a, in a starting round or how does yeah, it look like? I mean, every accelerator is different and I would say we're probably not really the typical accelerator model. We do look for um, ideas or probably MVP stage. Teams come in, they go through this super intensive three months with us and then they go out leaving I mean, everyone knows the success of our sister company, which was number 26. So they hopefully go out leaving to become unicorns. Yeah. Okay, great. So if you would um, phrase your personal goal here, so why are you here? Why are you doing this? I'm here because I'm attracted to great people who want to do great things for humans. And so I think a lot of people who know me know this story very well, but I was working at a fashion company before I joined APX and I really loved what I was doing there because it was super different. Um, and it gave me a lot of free time to become creative and I wasn't really working long hours and it was summer and life was very sunny and perfect. Um, <laughs> and then Jorg, who's the, the managing director of Axel Springer he, uh, or of APX, sorry, he, he reached out on LinkedIn and he was like, we should talk. And I, I Googled APX and I was like, there is no fucking way I'm going to fit in. Like, <laughs> I am um, foul-mouthed, I'm covered in tattoos, I'm not white, I'm gay, like, and now I have to go and work in a white like what company <laughs> this is my perception right so I was just like no um, and I cancelled on him um, and then he, he reached out again and eventually we ended up meeting and it was meant to be 30 minutes and I ended up staying for six hours and it was a really big lesson for me that actually self your self perception of a company can be so wrong so mm -hmm. like I had this misconception of Axel Springer and Porsche mm -hmm. and then of course of investment and then I joined and I was like oh, fuck, this is totally different. And, and then I started working with Axel Springer and I was like, oh my God, these people are amazing. And I started mm -hmm. working with Porsche and I was just like, Jesus, my mind was completely blown away. Um, and it was a big lesson for me. And so, yeah, that's what kind of attracted me to APX was really the people and the fact that they were really, um, they're purpose-driven. They really do want to help great great founders. And I know, obviously, as head of communications, that's kind of bullshit for me to say that because that's what PR people say. But it's true. <laughs> like, we're, we're really helping people go from good to great. And it's really inspiring to come in every morning. 
That sounds sounds really amazing. You have started to address the topic of mental health within your work at APX. So why do you believe that is such an important topic to talk about mental health, especially in the workplace? I mean, if you look at the founder group in general, they're under so much immense pressure. They um, have to grow a business super quickly. They have investors um, who are wanting returns. They are working super, super hard. They're prone to depression. They're prone to anxiety. And of course, we want them to succeed. And we also want them to build sustainable companies that go on to become unicorns. And you can only do this if you really have a strong mental mentality. For me, mental health is, is a really core topic for my own personally. And I wanted to see this more at APX. I wanted to see us giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. So we developed mental mining. Um, it's kind of a play on data mining because um, I thought it was really cool and it was techy. And <laughs> just, that's, that shows you how much I really know about that industry. It's a concept that like looks into the offline and On, and online. So we've developed different um, content streams so that founders can have different touch points whenever mm -hmm. they need it. Um, and the idea is to show them that we're there and we care and we want them to be great, but we also want them to look after themselves. And so we started implementing this last year. We've really started to develop it this year. And the feedback that we've got from startups has been so positive. I mean, they are um, always blown away that we're not just wanting to help them grow great companies, but we also care about them too. And you know what? I mean, in the end, this is actually a great multiplier effect because you help those people to address the topic now when they're like founders and maybe just a handful of people. But in the end, these people are also um, founding their own companies. And if these companies grow bigger, they actually have addressed this topic already and treat their employees in that way. I think this is actually something which is also really great. Yeah, that was, my, that was my little secret that I didn't want to tell people. I mean, ultimately, that's also why we're doing it, right? Like, it's not just about being good people, but it's also wanting to help good companies become better. And yeah. so our if we already instill these values into them in day one, then you're right. Like, three years down the line, they're already having this at, the, at their core heart, and they will be then helping their employee, employees be great people. Yeah, I'm actually uh, believe this will have a, a, a much bigger effect, uh, affect uh, your work than you can currently imagine right now, just through this multiplication that it will have. So why do you think, I mean, you just said that a lot of like founders have those pressure. I think it's not in, even limited to founders. I mean, it's also, I think, young people in having higher and higher positions in like really young ages. I mean, I just had a conversation yesterday with a colleague uh, who complained that now every Every girl in the end of her 20s thinks she needs to have like a head off or like great lead position. And we put ourselves so much under pressure. Why do you, but why do you think that mental health is still a topic that so many people are really afraid of talking about or sharing their own experiences with, with mental health? Why do you think, even though it affects everyone, obviously, it's a topic that we don't want to talk about? I guess it. It, it, it carries a really heavy stigma around it. So if you look, for example, at, say you have a colleague who was cycling home and they hit a car and they break their arm and they then have a cast in their arm, your employer is not going to look at you and be like, okay, this person, once that cast has gone off, they can still work, right? The stigma around mental health is that you can't work. And this is total bullshit. Like, you can be a highly functioning person with a mental illness and still have a leading role. I am definitely um, an example of this. I, I have and do have mental illnesses and I am have always had quite a solid career. But I, I, I also can't lie, like I've also faced that, that fear of the stigma. I really felt it a lot um, with previous companies. If I really came out and said, hey, this is what's going on, I would be fired. I wouldn't get the same uh, job. I wouldn't get the same task as everyone. I would get the, the less stressful tasks. Having a mental illness doesn't mean that you can't do tasks. Having a mental illness doesn't mean that you can't work under pressure. In fact, I work best under pressure. And this kind of correlates to Uh, another another topic, which is the myself, my friend Yannick, and my cousin Olivia are now creating a startup called Challenging Challenges, and the we started it to demystify um, the mental health topic. And what we do there is we get humans to tell human stories. So the more that people talk about it, our hypothesis is, the more that people will open up about it and the more easy it will be. So it will be the same as you saying what you had for lunch. It's the same as you being able to talk about it. I believe it's not just the employees 
right to be able to talk about it but also the the as a leader or as a manager or as a ceo you need to educate yourself on what this means and you need to create a safe workplace and it's not just about having coaches coming in it's not just about having uh, remote days or free fruit it's about really understanding what your employee is going through and trying to help them be the best person they can be yeah that's really true i mean i had a similar uh, situation also when when my mom died And uh, I just called my boss back in the days and he just told me, hey, you stay home like as long as you want. Because actually I just texted him and said like, look, it's at the end of the year. I don't have vacation days left. What do I do now? Because I need to stay here. And he said like, okay, why can you even ask such a question? So he was really, really understanding. But in the end, like it was me being back in the office, like right one day after the funeral, because I had the feeling I need to prove myself that I need to be there. Otherwise yeah. people would also think that that I'm weak but I, I also agree like for example just calling in sick because you feel just exhausted feels like super weird and it's something that feels like you're not allowed to do but if you're like sick because of a sinusitis or like of a fever that's that's fine and I think this is like super weird because maybe like you're physically not not often sick but this is mentally so I guess yes uh, there's this kind of stigma around it which is still really 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 prominent what do you believe currently is the state of companies towards this topic so what how how are companies tackling with the topic do you have even have the feeling that this is a big topic in companies at the moment i mean i can tell you some of the stats and they're mainly us based i i know them because we've been collecting them for the startup and i mean they're pretty shocking so the general mental health stats are one in four have anxiety because of their job One in four will not tell their employer that they have anxiety. In the US alone, mental health is the biggest uh, cost for employers a year. It, it costs the US economy 20 billion, sorry, 200 billion dollars a year for the mental for the the whole mental health topic. And 10% of suicides worldwide are because of the workplace. On top of that, 10%. Yeah. Wow. And it's higher than universities or schools. On top of that, Currently, every 40 seconds, someone commits suicide. By 2020, so not even a year away, it'll be every 20 seconds. And by 2030, which is 11 years away, mental illness will replace cancer as the worldwide killer. Shit, yeah. And you hear these statistics, and I mean, I'm used to them, but even when I'm saying them, it still gives me goosebumps. You hear these statistics, and you think why the fuck are we not doing anything about it? Like, really, I mean, we can we can talk about it on the podcast and it's fun and we, we have our, our startup and it's fun, but like, really, we're not doing anything as humanity to save people. These are people's lives we're talking about. Yeah. This is human life. Um, do I think it's a priority? I mean, I recently read an article in the US saying that millennial women are more anxious and depressed at work and they're committing suicide more. In the US and the UK, I believe it is more of a topic than it is in Germany. I think I was really shocked to see how much of a taboo topic it was. It was kind of a don't don't speak about it, don't tell us about it, we don't want to know. Yes, I think it's moving forward in the US and the UK. Is it where I, I would want it to be in, tw in 2019? No. My call to action is so many different things. I believe there should be a minister of mental health in every single country. I believe there should be one sitting on the EU commission. I think that if we are, we took other me uh, medical diseases so seriously, why are we not taking mental health so seriously? Because we can't see it. It's not as tangible as finding a tumor, but it's still there. Um, so yeah, I, I think the reason is that we're still in a shift in the, in the workplace, to really understanding what the future of work looks like. And for me, the future of work is really a place where you can be honest, where you your honesty is respected and that you want to come into work because you feel like it's something that you're giving back to. So I think purpose is a huge driver nowadays for our, our age group. But I think we still have a long time to wait, at, at least in Germany, until mental health is really at the forefront. I mean, right now we're only talking about diversity and inclusion. This is, for me, this is ridiculous. Like we should have been talking about this like 10 years ago. Mm. We're now talking about where are the women in leadership positions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are none and we're constantly looking to try and find some um, in Germany. But the so if we're already on this topic and I mean, you have to then start questioning when is the mental health topic going to become at the forefront of discussions? And I personally believe this is going to not be for another couple of years, which I which I find really sad. 
Yeah, and I think it should be part of inclusion because in the end it's also about including colleagues which maybe have mental issues. I mean, that's just a different dimension, I would say, of inclusion in the end. It yeah, should be part of this, this conversation. It's not even just about the people who have meant... It's not, uh, we're not just looking at people who have bipolar or depression or anxiety. Every single person will go th have a bad day. Yeah. There is not one person in the world who can tell me they've never had a bad day. Yeah. And when that person is having a bad day, they want to be able to know that they can come into the office and be like, hey, you know what, I can't do this. I'm going home and I'm taking a self-care day. So I think it's partly inclusion, but I think it's also leadership as well. And mm. like understanding the, the, if you invest into humans, then ultimately you'll see your profits soar. Yeah, I also believe in general, it's an education of, of people. I've, it's probably something that even needs to, to be taken one higher level outside of, of the workplace. Because I think if people in general do not understand that this is an important topic and it's okay um, to speak openly about it, uh, how can we expect them to, to do the same in their workplace if they would not even maybe understand that with their friends or their family often? Because often it just says, especially also with men, I think for women, there's still this... Um, <laughs> The, the this thing that women are weak and have too many emotions and feelings and so on. I mean, this is already <laughs> really, really bad enough. But then there are men and a man in, in general in our society, you know, they're also from the very moment on they're born, they were told you need to be strong, you don't, are not allowed to be weak. So that's even, I think, worse. So I think it's rather even a really, really general problem of our of our society. And I think if people do not learn that maybe even in education and school, that it's okay to, to be weak in some situations, I think, how can we expect them to to be uh, aware in the workplace and, and yeah, embrace embrace diversity so to say so why do you think um so many people face especially mental health issues in their work environments you also said uh the the number of uh, suicides due to the work environment are so high so why do you believe um yeah especially this this happens a lot within working environments i think it depends on the environment that you're working in but in general we as in humans are are now exposed to so many different elements. So we're exposed to social media, we're exposed to media in general online, and we're exposed to the theory. I mean, when when I was a kid, my, my parents, my dad worked in the same job his whole life, which blew my fucking mind and still does. And now we're being told, go from one job to another, gain experience, be better, get this title, get this salary. And we're comparing our, ourselves to other people at, all the time. And then social media came in and helped us to compare people with the, with ourselves all the time when we started becoming more envious. And I think we lost, as a human race, we lost the ability to, um, to really self-reflect and understand that we don't have to be those people and we can get there in our own time. But we, we feel that we can't you know, take a step back. Like, I mean, if I was to ask someone in their 30s to change their career and go and become an intern, most likely they would say no because of the stigma and fear. And also, okay, by the time you're 30, you're meant to have achieved this. It's such bullshit. Like, take, find your own path. Take your own path. Take your time getting yourself there and don't beat to anyone else's drum. Like, this is your life. And I think that's the problem. I think that's why we have such a high, a high rate of anxiety and depression in the workplace globally is because we're all trying to succeed or we're all trying to be better. We're, we're all going to get there at different times. Mark Zuckerberg got there super early. Someone might find a startup when they're in, the, when they're in their late 40s and get to the exact same place that he is now. I don't think we all have to be in the same path as everybody else. And once we take, once we realize that, the pressure kind of comes off. Once we realize that we don't have to be on the salary, we don't need that title, we don't have to work at that company, it actually gets a lot easier. And what do you think are the concrete triggers for that? I think you already um, mentioned, for example, also social media, but if you think also within the workplace, Do you see any specific things that are happening in the workplace which even make that worse? Yeah, I don't think we as um I don't think we value humans enough like in general and I really mean this in a general point of view uh, it, as as a as a workplace as a global workplace. I mean you join you join a team You're, you go through an interview process and they look through your CV then they ask you a bunch of questions and then you meet some people 
And for me, this is the most illogical thing. Like, are you really seeing if you fit as a team? Are you really seeing is that personality the right personality to bring in? I think this is a huge problem. We hire based on what we see on a CV, but we it's only, what, two, three months in until you really get to see that real person. And then that's when the problems start. And I think that if we actually hired based on who we were spending time with, it would be totally different. So I think from a hiring point of view, it could also change. I think that we don't actually learn about different personalities in our team. So recently, um, I, I took my team and we did a self-awareness workshop to learn about each other's personalities. For me, this is really important. I want them to understand why someone acts this way and why someone acts this way. And I want them to understand how to create better content and output together. Um, that's because to a certain extent, for me, this is really important. But not everyone thinks that way, which is also fine, but that's when you start having frictions in teams. And then that's when you start having anxiety in teams. And that's when you start having depression. And then that's when you really start to hit a brick wall. Because it's not just about the person, it's also about the productivity. I've been blessed to a certain extent that mental health has always been a key topic for me. So I've always implemented that in all my teams. So when I worked at Rocket Internet, the team size grew like literally overnight from three people based in Berlin to there was 18 of us in Berlin and they were all different personality types. Two, three weeks in, one of the teams comes to me and they're saying, okay, I really just don't get on with this person. I was trying to explain it's because one of you is an extrovert and one of you is an introvert and you both have different personality types and I thought about it for a while and I was like, let's do the 16 personalities test. So we did and we put them all up on the wall and we talked about it a lot and then we ended up pairing the introverts with the extroverts. Um, and the productivity went up because they learned how to work together and they learned about each other. And you, as a leader, have to take the time to understand who you're working with and who your teams are and what works and what doesn't work. And when, if something's not working, don't expect just because people are adults to fix it. Step in, make a difference, you know, try and have an impact. Yeah, that's really great. Uh, the The workshop sounds really, really interesting. We did once a similar thing with the strength finder test, but I also just did uh, the 16 personalities. I think it's it's a really great test and it's actually available uh, on the internet for free. So you can just do it. We can also uh, link it in the show notes. Um, so why is the topic of uh, mental health so important to you? So do you, you also said like you have your own story to share, like, what was your story to, to to mental health or why is it so important to you? I was just thinking about that early, uh, that question earlier when you were talking and I was trying to figure out when this podcast is going out because then we also have the podcast coming out from Challenging Challenges, my startup, where I will tell the story for the first time. So I will probably give the abridged version so that everyone goes and listens to our podcast. <laughs> um, Go for it. <laughs> just doing some marketing here. I mean, I give you the end version, which a lot of people know. So I have had a collection of mental illnesses throughout my life. And it wasn't until 2017 that we figured out with a psychiatrist that it was PTSD. What is PTSD? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. But running up to that, I had, or I still have anxiety and depression. I manage them pretty well. I mean, they very, very rarely affect me. And they come once or twice a year where, I mean let's just say this, they come once or twice a year where I physically won't get out of bed. And this will be like a three-day gross fest where I don't shower and I just watch TV back to back and I eat a bunch of Haribo and I guess normal people would call that a weekend when they're relaxing. And I, uh, I don't listen to like emo music like Adele and just cry. And then after like the third or fourth day, I start to get super anxious. I haven't moved, so mm. I get up and then I'm fine. But... I would say my uh, depression and anxiety is always with me. They're like little friends in the back of my head, but I know how to control them and I know mm. how to manage it. When I was 17, no, when I was 18. So for five years, when I was 18, I had anorexia. And that was, when I look back on it now, I'm like, fuck, I really missed out on eating a lot of good food. But um, yeah, that was insane. I was in hospital for it a lot. And then I was also sectioned for it. And it was a really crazy time. And it's probably one of my biggest regrets. Like it wasn't, I didn't choose, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to be thin. I've never really cared about that. It was a control thing and it really got out of hand, obviously. They're not things I look back on. So I've never really believed in becoming a victim. So they're not things I look back on and be like, oh my God, it's so sad that I had anorexia. And oh my God, it's so sad that like I have anxiety and depression. And I also have ADHD. I mean, I pretty much have fucking everything. I see them as strengths. 
Like I see them as a way to to be a better person, to help others, and to because I've gone through so much and lived through so much, I can kind of see the towels in other people and try mm-hmm. and get them to open up about what's going on in their life. Because ultimately, I believe that oh, sometimes we need someone to ask, "How are you?" and "How are you really yeah. doing today?" and that can make the world of difference. So. Yeah, mental health is a big, big topic for me. There's certain things for me I'm completely anti. I'm really anti-medication. So I went on and off it for years and I decided to be off it. I'm a better human for being off it. I talk about it a lot um, to the extent it's just a normal topic now with within my friendship group. Um, and I really encourage other people to to kind of speak up about it. I started coaching one-on-one about it and just helping people find their path because I found mine through sheer determined, completely determined, but other people are not as lucky. So yeah, that's kind of a, a bridge version of my story. If you want to hear the real story or the full story, I should say, it will be on challenging challenges sometime in March. Yeah, we're going to link that, of course. I think there was a really good uh, <laughs> teaser, Katie, and thank you for really being so honest and also sharing your story here. Can you tell us a little bit then what your journey was? So what Or when was the moment when you have decided to do something about it or make this topic more socially acceptable? So how did you move on since then? I have to be completely honest. This was not my core purpose in life. Um, I had been searching for my purpose in life for a really long time. I was going back and forth trying to figure out what it was. It was kind of APX that opened my eyes to it a lot. Um, which I'm so thankful for. And it was really when we started developing mental mining. It was the first time where I had a project I was working on and developing where I thought, fuck, this is actually something that that could change the world and could change people. And this is what I want to do. But I also know myself, so I get super into a project and then I can can, uh, lose interest. So I let my brain sit with it and it's still there and it's now been almost like seven eight months I've been sitting with this topic and now from it we're developing a startup which is amazing and we see the potential the more people I talk to the more people we tell about mental mining the more people I talk to about challenging challenges they just validate what we're saying they're like fuck we really need this like we were telling people about the app that we're creating they're like oh my god when when can we download it and we're telling people about what we're doing at mental mining they're like do you have a handbook that we can copy this is really needed so knowing that you're doing something that's changing the world for me is so much more important than um driving a fancy car and wearing balenciagas so i would really like to fucking afford balenciagas but that's another story i think it's a i think you have to be truly blessed in life to find that one thing that you are so passionate about i remember i went to a talk in london with Catelyn moran she is um She's a feminist. She writes for one of the newspapers in the UK and she's written a couple of books. And she's really fucking funny and she's really just really good storyteller. And she said at the end, find what you love doing and make that your passion and make that your job. And I was thinking at the time, I really love eating chicken nuggets, but I don't think I can make that my job. <laughs> I was like, okay, I really love watching Netflix, but I don't think I can make that my job. And it just took me a really long time. This always stayed in my brain. And it really hurt as well because I was like, fuck, I'm never going to find that one thing that I love. And it it turned out to be mental health. I really didn't think it was going to be and I'm so glad it is. And I'm really enjoying seeing the positive effect we're having on people's lives. Mm-hmm. So you talked uh, a lot now about uh, mental mining at APX. Can you um, tell us a little bit more details? What's your goal? What's your mission? I can maybe tell you a little bit about what we're doing there we want to grow healthy founders who then grow healthy companies who then become unicorns and so we we've developed a strategy that tackles them in different touch points so my theory with pr and content is that you have to have different touch points for different personalities not everybody likes reading not everybody likes listening to podcasts not everyone likes listening to music not everyone likes watching something so we've created multiple different ways we will have a monthly workshop here where we will have a therapist or a coach come in and touch on one of the different topics that the founders want to hear about we have um a positive affirmation campaign and we have I think 15 different postcards that are going to be around the office and all the meeting rooms with positive affirmations we have um, 
an internal tool that we use to communicate with the startups and on there we have a group for um, uh, mental health podcasts or um, well-being podcasts we will also have a physical library we're going to do flow sessions we're going to do yoga and then we started creating content with um mental health influencers as well um to hear their side of the story and the idea is that one of these touch points will impact a founder i mean it could be all of them it could be one of them and the i we want to just create um as much content around this as possible so that they can always have a resource or a person that they can go to to make sure that they're okay and then to learn how to implement this in their own team so the the the, the mission was really to to grow great founders and to help them on their journey great that's a really great mission how do you think that mental health problems in general affect people's careers um, I mean, is it an urban myth that people who face or talk about their mental health issues will have a disadvantage when it comes to promotions or getting the good jobs? I mean, that's basically, I think, the problem out there where what we discussed before, why people are a little bit afraid of talking about it. But do you really believe that it really affects people's careers? I think I will give your listeners one piece of advice. If you come out and say that you have a mental illness or that you're anxious or you have depression, whatever it is, and then this stunts your pay rise, your promotion, your tasks, then get the fuck out of that company because that's not the company that you want to grow in. If they don't respect you then, they're never going to. Yes, it does. It shouldn't, but it does. And But that shouldn't stop people from being honest and transparent. I'm very transparent. I am transparent when I get my period and I am very vocal <laughs> about that because I change who I am for that one day. I just become a fucking monster. I'm also really transparent with my boss. If I'm having a day when I'm super anxious, I will tell him and I won't come to the office. Um, and I'm still here. Um, thanks, boss, if you're listening for not firing me yet. Um, <laughs> my team have told me that they've had, they've got anxiety and depression and they're still here. If you tell someone and they they blocked you in any shape or form, that person's a fucking idiot and you don't, you don't, they don't deserve to have you on their team. You should go somewhere where they really value you. Yes, of course, it's really sad it still happens, but I think this is going to change in the next couple of years. I do promise everyone there is a company out there that will completely accept you for who you are. And I think also you're the best example that you can still make a career and have a great job uh, by being really open about it. I also can remember once <laughs> last year uh, when we had this conversation. Uh, and yeah, I think you're a, a great role model also for me here uh, in terms of that you can speak publicly and openly about everything and like it shouldn't affect your career still as you're still doing a good job, right? Yeah, I mean, if someone has a problem with how I'm doing my job, that's one thing. But if someone has a problem with me because I'm having an anxiety attack, then you can go fuck yourself. Like, I really don't care. I am who I am. I'm as crazy as I am, but I still manage to get all my all my tasks done, at, I would say, quite well. Um, and I think that's all that matters. I'm, I'm adding to the community. I'm helping our founders. I'm working with our team. I'm working with my team. We're creating amazing things. By chance, I have anxiety but at the same time you could say by chance I have a child by chance I'm married like there's these for me it's all the same things it's really that simple and I think if we start making it into a huge deal we treat people who have mental illnesses like victims then they're never going to get ahead in the workplace yeah that's true but I, I still believe um, or I have observed those situations when when it comes to promotions that it's going to be challenged if that person can stand, you know, the, the stress and everything coming up with that promotion and the new responsibilities. So I think especially when it comes to promotions today, there is a problem. Yeah, and I mean, the, the answer is get better HR managers and learn, get your leaders to educate themselves and also ask the person. Mm -hmm. Like 99% of the time we make assumptions about people without even asking them, like, hey, will this be too much for you? And if the person's been honest about their mental health, they'll tell you if it will be too much. Like I am very vocal about when things are getting too much. Mm -hmm. So if you're transparent, then you do deserve to work in a place where they're as transparent and educated back. Mm -hmm. And if you're working somewhere where your, your promotion is getting blocked because you have anxiety, depression or whatever, then help them educate themselves or go somewhere where actually you're going to be completely respected for who you are. Mm. 
So um, what do you um, specifically do to, to make sure your team is healthy? Do you have any advice to share? I mean, also you shared already a great workshop. Uh, what do I do? I don't really believe in leadership. So I'm we're, we have a super flat hierarchy in my team or in the team, I should say. Um, so we talk to each other the same way that we they would talk to each other. So I, I mean, I they talk to me the same way. So we have a lot of jokes. One of them makes a lot of memes about me because I'm always giving them tasks. They come into mine once a month for dinner. We They're very integrated also in my social life and this is really important so that they can see, okay, maybe we have to take tasks from her but she's also a human too. I mean, now it's always my bugbear at school. I was always really confused to when I would see a teacher outside of school because I thought they actually lived at school and I didn't understand that teachers had social lives. Other than that, I'm super vocal with them. So I will tell them in the morning if something is not right and I'll tell them if I'm coming in. And if I am coming in, here's what they can look for. If, for, for example, I do start to have an anxiety attack. Luckily, it hasn't happened. So they're super aware. And I, I have the same, they have the same thing back. So they'll tell me when they're having a bad day. They'll tell me when they need to work from home. They'll tell me if something is going on. They'll ask for my advice if um, they have a personal problem. And this is super transparent. And I think that's the most important thing. I think it's if you respect, if you respect humans, humans respect you back. It doesn't matter what your title is. Just be a good fucking human being. And I think that's as simple as it is. And I think that's probably why I personally believe I have one of the best teams in the world because they're great human beings and they are always open and always challenging me and they're always challenging themselves and always disrupt disrupting themselves to be the best person they can be. So how do you define a healthy work environment, so to say? Oh, it's really different. I think I am very. I have a very particular way of how I would like it to be, but that's just maybe maybe my own perception. I mean, so of course, there's this huge chance. For example, that challenging challenges could could actually work and become a company. You know, and I was talking today to a founder who was talking about company values, and I was really thinking about that myself. And I was thinking, okay, what would our company look like? I mean, I would create it the way that I would want to come, how I would want to be. So I would. I really do believe in remote days because um, remote days mean trust and they're really super healthy to sit at home and just get your work done and actually not just your work but actually be able to do some, some stuff in your personal life because we all know that our brains cannot work for eight hours in a day. So there's that. So remote is really important. I think transparency and having these opportunities to be able to talk, um, I think that is a really healthy thing to have in a company. And I guess it's not just that kind of transparency, but a transparency across the board. So, I mean, like we talked about earlier, money and titles is super important for people. But yet, as companies, we're still not transparent about what these are. And um, I think everyone should have to should be able to choose what they want to do and who they want to be and what they want to contribute to the company. I mean for challenging challenges if it works and we do start to hire people we we want to hire people that have gone through something so they understand that means they're super passionate about it do i care what their title is no like you just come in and do something and have an impact that's more important than what your business card says um, and once we get companies into that mindset regardless if it's ours at challenging challenges or any other company then i think you start to create beautiful products and beautiful humans so what do you think that every single one of us can do to take care of our own mental health or let's say not only ourselves, but also maybe supporting our colleagues? Have a bath, eat chocolate, drink some wine or have a really nice cup of tea. Play music. For music is so key. Like listen to your favorite band, watch something on TV. That's how you should take care of your own one. I mean, there's also so many other things you can do. Go to therapy, read books, etc. For the workplace, be more self-aware. Stop sitting in your own zone and look around and see, hey, is my colleague okay? They've been really quiet today. Reach out, like don't be, don't, I mean, I think it's about getting rid of your own fear of what you're going to hear and this whole taboo, but ask your colleagues how they are. Let them open up and give them that opportunity. Um, we created a poster campaign called 11 Things That It's Okay To Do At APX. And it's all about how you're allowed to have days off, you're allowed to have off days, you're allowed to be um, sad, you're allowed to be happy. 
But if you encourage your your team, your employees, your your colleagues to actually be themselves and to um to hurt when they're allowed to hurt and tell them it's okay to be not okay and it's okay to be okay, then I think then people will start opening up more and just look outside your own bubble and look who's sitting next to you and see if they're actually in feeling included, see if they're actually speaking up, see if their voice is heard and see if they're they're happy. How do I recognize also that maybe I or my colleagues have mental health problems? And if 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 I do so, what should I do then? I mean, I think everyone is different. Um, we were talking about the topic of burnout earlier with some friends, and I was saying that most people don't know they're burning out until they're burning out. Uh, Yannick, who's one of the co-founders of Challenging Challenges, wrote this amazing piece about being depressed, and he didn't know he was depressed until he was depressed. That's kind of the sad thing about mental health is you don't know about it till it hits you. But I totally believe that you can avoid it by... I mean, it's really simple things. It sounds so stupid, but it's really that. Sleep, eat well, exercise. I mean, I'm not even preaching my own fucking mantra right now. Like, I barely sleep. I eat so badly, and I probably haven't exercised in 2019. But I mean, <laughs> like, this, it's really that simple. And, like, be aware of yourself. Like, if you're into journaling, write a journal and take some notes. Download the Challenging Challenges app. Like really look look into yourself and like figure out okay something is going on and like keep on looking at that on a daily basis and usually if you are sliding into depression you can kind of notice it's coming and act on it quickly tell your friends have a support system around you get a therapist talk to the people at work communicate this with your manager i'm very vocal about my mental health because if something happens to my team i expect them to come to me before it is too late that I mean, I'm still looking after them, right? So I still have to make sure that the productivity is there. So I want them to be able to come to me and be like, I think I'm sinking into my depressed, I'm having depression or I'm just about to go through a depressive period. And then I can, then I can figure out, okay, I'm going to take all this work off you. We're going to, we're going to divide it, take some time off. And um, that's, so yeah, communicate, tell people, tell your family, figure out who your support circle is. Um, with me and um, some friends, When, when my period was really bad a couple of years ago, we had like an emoji that we would just send each other. <laughs> and like if I Which sent, one was it? If I sent a pineapple, I was okay. And if I sent another one, it was like, don't talk to me. And if I sent another one, it was like, fuck, this is an emergency, call me. Because I couldn't communicate. You have to understand, like, telling someone who has depression and anxiety, I'll oh, just get out of bed or have a shower, maybe go for a walk or, you know, just come into work for a few hours. You physically cannot get out of bed. You don't want you don't want to be that person. You want to get out of bed. Mm. You're like sitting there listening to what your friends are doing and you want to get out of bed and go join them, but you can't. So figure out how to uh, figure out what your support circle is. Already decide with them. Even if you know, for example, mental health will never hit you as a person, just already have that communication there ready. Like just mm. in case something happens. I think that's really important is to to know your to know your circles. So um, how can I make a difference in my job and make sure that I myself create a healthy work environment? You have to wait until April where you can download the Challenging Challenges <laughs> app and that will definitely have an impact. I mean, this is what we're building. We're building something for the workplace because mm. there isn't a tool for the workplace. We're building something that will have an impact on the workplace and reduce anxiety and depression at the same time. Um, so you just have to kind of wait. I'm sorry, that's it. There's no other answer. <laughs> okay, so um, what do you believe is the one thing that needs to be changed entirely so that we rethink work and make sure less people get sick? We need to train leaders better. We become leaders so quickly. Like I was a leader at the age of 24. I mean, at the age of 24, I probably didn't even know what... I where I wanted to live properly like I still don't know we become leaders so quickly you know, we create great companies and I think this is awesome but we are never educated you don't get you know at school I learned Pythagoras theorem I've never fucking used it in my life but I never learned how to become a leader I've never learned life skills so I think if we were to have classes or have life skills or learn about basically normal life things how to be a better human being I think the workplace would change. So re-education ed ed of leaders. Yeah, I think it's actually the difference that we learn. I think uh, especially, I mean, if you, if you study business or something, 
I think you still learn more how to be really competitive and how to just succeed for yourself in yeah. the long run than uh, become a better human being. Yeah, definitely. So why do you believe that there's so many people in our age already so frustrated in their jobs and um, yeah, somehow also lost in finding their next career steps or unsatisfied in, in their work or in their job? I mean, this is probably not the only reason, but for me, a big part of it really was social media. So um, Instagram, um, I, I'm not on it anymore because I would literally go on there every day and just like scrolling through being like, oh, maybe I should go move there because that place looks really cool. Or maybe I want to do that job. Maybe I should become an influencer. Fucking like this. <laughs> I think you would be a great influencer. Yeah, Katie, I'd be though. an awful influencer yeah. for like teenagers who just want to learn how to swear. And... <laughs> Maybe I, and then you would see on LinkedIn, you would just see like all these jobs, like LinkedIn would email you being like, hey, I see you're really loving your job right now, but here's another one with more money. And you're like, oh fuck, I could do my job with more money at a company that I don't know about, but sure. And the, for me, social media just kind of jumped in and showed you all these different opportunities and then showed you great people. And then you start, you start to become consumed by it. And then you start to become envious. And then you start to become really fucking unhappy. And since deleting it, I mean, I still have Twitter, but I mainly on there just talk about how much I love Hillary Clinton. And I still have LinkedIn. And that's only where I just spam everyone, of course, with everything that I'm doing here at APX. Um, but I very rarely spend time to really go through what people are doing on there. And I'm very careful now about who I follow. So I only follow politicians that I love and comedians because I don't want to be putting myself in a situation again where I notice that my self-worth is disappearing. And to be honest, as much as I love the TV show, one of the biggest things that hurt my self-worth was the Kardashians because every time I saw them, I would really question, how is it that this family got so famous for doing fuck all and I'm literally sitting here busting my ass to have a, to, ha to make a, I, I want to have purpose in the world. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't care about being famous. I want to, I want to have a purpose, but like the people who want to have a purpose are not the people who are basically putting selfies up of themselves in their underwear and those are the people that are defining how the world looks and this really started to grate on me so I mean be, I think it's be conscious about who you're following who you're interacting with who are you who are you meeting who are you talking to um, are these people adding value like I've defined it as um, level up so of course I have friends I just hang out with like I'm not a complete psychopath that I have a very strict regimen with my friends Um but I do have this thing called level up. So I spend a lot of time in meetings and I spend a lot of my evenings in meetings or going to meetings. And I always question myself, time is so valuable. Can I really level up in this meeting? And for me, level up is, will I come out of this being smarter? Okay, so let's bear in mind that IQ is only like 12 or something. So like <laughs> most meetings I do come out smarter. Yeah, once I started doing this, I started cutting out a lot of people from my life that I was just meeting and they would just gossip or talk about stuff and I just didn't care. I wanted to come out of their feelings. This is my time. You're taking part of my life up. Give me something that's going to be valuable that I can, one takeaway that I can go back and change something. Mm -hmm. Since then, all my meetings are with purpose. All my meetings have, lev I have level up thinking and I'm super happy with who I am, what I'm doing what I'm getting what I'm getting out of my life and what I'm and um, who I'm hanging out with and but it, it took a while to make those conscious decisions mm -hmm. like I had to hit rock bottom before I got here so um it's a journey and I think everyone has to, everyone will get there at there at some point I guess it's really really great advice do you have any advice for people where you say um where you have the feeling okay they are currently frustrated in their job or how to get out there? If you would say like, where's, what's this number one advice that you would give them? Um, reflect, so figure out, or, so I should say download the Challenging Challenges app because that will help. <laughs> um, reflect, like sit back and figure out why you are frustrated. I mean, I, the way I do it is, and this is actually the concept of how we developed the app. The way I was doing it was I would literally, it would come home And I'd be, I'd be moaning and bitching. And then I would say to myself, fuck, you're just being a little bitch. And then I would write down all the things that were pissing me off. And I would read them and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Mm. Like, it was just really bad in my head. Because I didn't communicate it with anyone or any... I didn't write it down. So sit down and really write down what is frustrating you. Then with each one, 
can you cross out the ones where they're just little things or little annoyances and then to the ones that are really making you not want to go to work or making you annoyed at your teammates or making you unhappy can you put a solution next to every single one of those because you can't just go in and be like here's the problem you you have to go in there and say here's a problem and here's the solution and that will also get you more respect and it will also um help you move forward in your in your own happiness so the other day uh i met you on an event and uh, i finally also met your awesome colleagues and uh, there was one of uh of the guys he told me that since you joined the company so he was obviously there before but since you joined the company and you have become a lead, he suddenly um started to be more passionate and really loved coming to work and he even said like even though um, he didn't really work super long hours before, but since you were there, he was so passionate. He said, like, he even wanted to be in the office uh, and stay longer because he said, like, yeah, since Katie's here, it's like this kind of family-like environment. So I loved it very much. And um, I paid him a lot of money to say that. So ah, okay. I, I, pay, I pay them all quite a lot of money to say nice This was even before me. I asked you for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, um, you create an atmosphere that... Your employees want to come in and they're super motivated. So maybe can you share a little bit, what are your leadership principles or how do you create this so-called family-like atmosphere? I'm just myself. I remember when I got my first tattoo, my mom said to me, no one will ever hire you. You have tattoos. <laughs> and now I'm on like 70 tattoos. I'm pretty well covered. And I remember thinking, but this is who I am. Like, I'm very aware that I swear a lot. And I was always told, if you swear a lot, it means that you don't have a wide enough dictionary. And maybe I don't, but I just really like swearing. It doesn't help that all I listen to is like hip hop and rap. <laughs> and I have a lot of tattoos. And like, I wear hoodies and sneakers because I'm comfortable in that. I'm just who I am because I'm not gonna change to fit in. And I, it makes me sad when I see people changing to fit in. So I always make sure that I have a team that can be who they are. And we are super silly together as well. Like we have Nerf gun fights. And we, as I said, like they make memes out of me all the fucking time. And, but the first thing that we do whenever we see each other every single day and every single time we leave is we give each other a hug goodbye. Like these are not just people that are in a team. We're wanting to create something great together and call it a family, call it a community, call it a tribe. We are just one amazing function that come together and are part of an even greater team and want to do great things for great people. Um, and I think it's basically that. I don't think it's anything about like, honestly, I think if I was to look at my leadership skills, they probably suck. Like I'm... I can show you our to-do lists and they go on for days because I I push them, really, I push the team really hard. But I've never not been me. Like I've always, I really tried for a while to be the perfect like employee, like really like not swearing, dress really nicely, um, was always super polite, didn't speak up in meetings. And I was like, this is not who I am. Like I am this loud, obnoxious, annoying, tiny little swearing tattooed Scottish <laughs> person and it's 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 me and I can be 100% honest and say not everyone likes it and that's fine I don't have to get on with those people that don't like it and the people that do like it then we gel and it's okay like I have met people who have been super conservative and I've also still got on with them in in the workplace it doesn't matter as long as you accept if someone accepts who I am then I'm always going to accept who that person is. No matter what your values are, no matter what your beliefs are, as long as you show me respect, I will always show it back to you. So I think that's kind of my leadership mantra is just respect and be a decent human being. And I actually think you're a great leader because I really, I think you inspire the team, you obviously motivate them. So I actually believe you have probably great leadership skills, <laughs> even though... <laughs> even though I paid them to say that. So what was the first thing that you eliminated once you have to become a boss or lead? Oh my God, what did I eliminate? When was the first time I became a boss? Okay, so when I was that was th six years ago. Um... I eliminated, I eliminated hierarchy. I really, I eliminated hierarchy and put in trust. 
So for the first couple of weeks when I hired a team, I was like, this is, this is now six years ago, a different company. I was like, hey, this is what we have to do. Go and do it. And when you're doing it, you're going to fuck up. And just tell me and we'll fix it. And I'll take the heat. That's not the problem. Just always be transparent. So I eliminated fear. And I I mean, I think there's this, this horrible thing that teams sometimes have that you don't want to fuck up because then your boss is going to be super angry. You think your boss is not fucking up? Like we all fuck up all the time. And that's okay as long as you're transparent about it and you've learned from it and you don't make that mistake again. I think it's a very normal thing. So it's okay to make mistakes. So the one thing I took out was like fear that if you fuck up or if you have a bad day that you're going to get fired and that we're all equal. Like I'm not going to, when I when I die, I'm not going to die as the head of comms and brand at APX. I'd be really sad if that's what they put on my grave. <laughs> um, we, all, we all came in the world the same way. We'll all leave the same way. Mm. So why do we not just treat each other with respect as leaders, as employees, as team members. So if you give one leadership advice, what would it be? <laughs> always buy your team's always buy your team food because if you buy people food, they really love you. That's basically it. <laughs> I think that's a great advice. <laughs> so and how has your own perspective for work changed since you've become a lead and are responsible for other people? Do you have the feeling it's the It's the same situation as like just being an employee or like... To be honest, when I first became a lead six years ago, I hated it because it was just people management. And then there are aspects to it I don't like for sure. And I remember, I do remember when I first, when I first had like a lead position. And I was so, I don't know what the word is. I was so naive to... It was exciting. I was 24, I was a lead, I was traveling, I had a huge budget, I had a team. I had gone from literally living in LA, trying to write movie scripts, to living in Berlin with a team of like almost 60 people worldwide. Just thought this was like the shit. I was like, <laughs> this is so cool. I mean, on my first couple of days at work, I wore heels and dresses. Now, if you saw me now, as a total, like total, total different person. Um. And so, yeah, I think at the beginning when someone first becomes a lead or even a manager or whatever you want to call it, when you first start managing people, it can go to your head a lot. And like my advice always is, you are going to fuck up and because you have to find your own leadership style. Me being as open and chill and whatever is fits me. It does not fit mean it's going to fit you. It does not mean it's going to fit the people listening. You have to go in there and you have to have a great team that you can just trial and error with, find out what works and stick with it. And like... There's so many manuals on how to be a great leader and there's so many different tips. It's a gut feeling. Just do what you think is right and like always have your teams back. I think that's super important. So how, have you also changed as a person? Would you say you see the world differently since you're responsible for other people? No, I definitely don't. Um, I think I changed as a person or I see, started to see the world differently when um, my little sister was born. So she's one and a half. So there's quite a big age gap. Um, so she probably won't be listening to this for another 14 years because um, she probably doesn't understand it right now. But seeing her and like having a baby sister that young really hit home with me that I don't want her to grow up in a world that's not accepting everything. So I now just fight super hard for her. Like she is my, I mean, I have her name tattooed on me. And one of those people, I remember when Angelina Jolie got her children tattooed on her I kept on thinking how the fuck would you why would you do that like are you going to really forget what your kids names are and now I'm the <laughs> now I'm the asshole with my sister's name tattooed on me but like I do it for her like I do everything for her I want her to grow up and to not know these mental health stats mm -hmm. to not know what diversity and inclusion is I want her to work somewhere where she just loves what she's doing and doesn't have to think about all of these things that's really really a great goal actually great great mission you're on so we're at the end of the podcast. If sad face, yeah, <laughs> I have one last question. I ask everyone. You probably know it. So, um, if you had the superpower to change one thing in terms of work or employment, what would it be? I would magic away Donald Trump. Does that count as a superpower? <laughs> I think everyone wants that superpower. Can you give us more details on it? Yeah, no, I can't. It's a secret project. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, um. CIA, I would never do that. Um, <laughs> if I could change, if I magic away one thing, that's a question, right? Magic mm -hmm. away one thing. Yeah. 
I would, uh, mine's super like this weird liberal view, but I would magic away money so that everyone was equal is so socialist. It's really weird because I'm such a capitalist. But like <laughs> I, I think I notice how much money and titles drive people. So actually something that I am really pushing for here is that we get rid of all titles. We're just humans trying to do something good. So that maybe the money one is too idealistic. I would get rid of titles in the workplace. I mean, we're having, well, we got rid of them. So if you go into our new website, at apx.ac you now see that we don't have the titles anymore so it just says katie is leading this uh, uh mel is in this team yeah so we don't we got rid of everyone's titles because i like that i mean if for linkedin of course you have to have them but we're in that conversation now as challenging challenges because i was speaking to someone the other day and he he asked me okay, so who's doing what? And I was like, oh, well, there's three of us, we've co-founded it. And he's like, but at some point, you're going to have to break those three into these stupid C-level titles. And I was like, why would why would you have C-level titles for a team of three people? Like, who are you managing? You're managing yourselves. <laughs> I never understand why startups do this. And then I messaged the, messaged the other two, and I was like, hey, at some point, we have to have this discussion, which I hate. Like, it's just... It's just a shitty conversation to have. We don't need to have titles. So now we're trying to come up with like nice titles, like chief human officer, like that's looking after like mental health. Like, you know, we want to come up with something that really inspires what we're doing. So titles for me would be the one thing I would take away from the world. And Donald Trump. Thank you very much, Katie. You are welcome, Christina.